Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. Today's scripture is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is also taken from the book of Isaiah. We are in the very end of Isaiah, one chapter from its completion, Isaiah 65, that is 17 through 25. Listen for the word of the Lord. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, its food, shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, 
So in the vein of good news, bad news, I tell you these two stories. A 16-year-old young man has some news he needs to share with his dad, who is at work. So he calls him and says, Dad, I've got to tell you some things. And Dad says, Son, I am sorry. I'll talk to you later. I am way behind. I've got a meeting coming up. I, I just don't have the time now. I'm sorry. The son says, I've got some good news and some bad news. And the dad says, well, I only have time for one, so just give me the good news. And he says, well, the good news is the airbags worked. (laughs) Good news, bad news. Second, a gallery owner and an artist who has that gallery filled with his paintings are having a conversation. And the gallery owner calls the artist and says, you'll never believe what happened today. I I have good news and I have bad news. And the artist says, well, okay, give me the good news first. She said, fine. Uh, uh, A lady came in today and asked, if when you die, will all of these works of art increase in value? And she said, well, well, yes, I imagine so. And she bought everyone in there, every painting in that gallery of yours, this lady bought. Well, that is fantastic news, the artist says. What's the bad news? The bad news, the gallery owner says, is that she's your doctor. <laughs> Knows he's going to die. So he may not. Good news, bad news. When we look at the prophet Isaiah today, many of the prophets function in that same vein. Some good news, some bad news. The prophet's job was to convey God's word to the people. Often the people had strayed from God and were not living as they knew they should in partnership with God, the way God had set out for them to know that they were God's people to be worshiping, to be prayerful, to be atoning, confessing, all of those things that we do, caring, serving one another. So the prophet had the difficult job of telling the people in straight and direct terms that especially in the Old Testament where our prophets were central, that they needed to turn or incur the wrath of God. They needed to come back home to God, not stray from God, not cut God out, not worship other gods. And if they continued, then they would pay the price. Well, in Isaiah's time, that happened several times in several ways. If we look at the prophet Isaiah, there are 66 chapters. Isaiah is often broken up into 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Isaiah. We're not sure, actually, we're pretty certain that Isaiah did not write the totality of that book because there are different Exodus events, the Assyrians first, then the Babylonians, that Isaiah was credited for being present for, and that's several hundred years of a life. And we're not told that Isaiah had any extra or supernatural time added on to his life. So we're right at the end in that third Isaiah, again in 65, just a chapter before the end of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah we cannot do without. It is filled with great things. 
As a matter of fact, next to the book of Psalms, the book of Isaiah is the second to be most quoted in the New Testament by Jesus, by Paul, by the prophets, or by the disciples. Isaiah has many of those prophecies, several we will get to in a few weeks when we start Advent to build up to the birth of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. Many of those are in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is seen as the greatest of prophets. You have Jeremiah, you have Daniel, you have Ezekiel, Isaiah the biggie. So here at the end of Isaiah, we have God talking through Isaiah about a new heaven and a new earth, a phrase that we are used to hearing because it is based here in Isaiah. Some of the scripture that we know most from the book of Revelation, 21st chapter is a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven, the old earth will pass away. Weeping will be no more. 2 Peter 3.13, also the same phrase, new heaven and new earth, all taken from Isaiah from this passage. And it's God speaking to those exiles who are to finally come home with joy. Joy is mentioned four times in this passage, and the word create is mentioned three times. God is excited. God is filled with happiness and joy because God knows the plan. God knows the new heaven and the new earth that is being created for these people who have had such a tough go of it due to their own apostasy, their own faithlessness, but yet God is seeking to bring them home and God is excited. The familiar words that we hear at the end, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The serpent, its food shall be dust. No one will be hurt on my mountain or destroyed, says the Lord. That passage takes us back to Isaiah 11 earlier with that peaceable kingdom image with the wolf and the lamb lying down together. Here, the greatest predator, the lion, the meat eater, will eat straw like the ox and not threaten or kill anyone. And that old serpent that takes us back to the creation story is just going to eat dust. He is done tempting. He is done biting. He's just going to eat dust. Create, 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 joy, 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 joy. So often we look at life as God having created it and let it go. That kind of deist clockmaker view, God let it go, and then we deal with it. But creation happens on a daily basis. There is always good news and there is always bad news. But the great news is that the hope in Jesus Christ is that the new heaven and the new earth will come. Now, what we are called to believe also is that it's not just about the end times. That new heaven and new earth, yes, when Christ comes again, will bring to fruition and complete what God had started and what Christ had started But that is so far from our experience now. 
What about the now? Are we to just believe and then know that one day things will be made right? What's our responsibility to a new heaven and a new earth today? The amazing thing about this is that God is calling us to be partners in God's creativity. Partners in God creating a new heaven and a new earth that start today. What would it be like if we were to weep no more? What would that world look like? And how do we help that process? Well, the first is we have to believe, we have to understand that there's something bigger than just us in this life. Many years ago, many of you will remember, still living, but Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, comedians, writers, actors, in the late 60s, the two of them did a routine called the 2,000-year-old man. And Carl Reiner would be kind of the straight man, and Mel Brooks would come out in this hat and cape and answer questions about what it's like to be 2,000 years old. So there's this one particular interchange, and they come out, and they're there, and Carl Reiner, the interviewer, says, so did you always follow the Lord? And Mel Brooks says, oh, no, for a long time we followed Phil. And Carl Reiner said, Phil, who was Phil? See, it was, it was a man in our village who used, used to live there. Well, wh why did you follow him and worship him? Well, because he was mean, he could hurt us, and he could snap us in two with his bare hands. Oh, well, that's interesting. Did you pray to Phil? Uh, yes. It kind of sounded like this. Oh, Phil, please don't be mean, don't hurt us, and don't snap us in two with your bare hands. So that went on for a while until the day there was a thunderstorm and a bolt of lightning hit Phil dead. So they gathered around, they looked at him, and they said to one another, there must be something bigger than Phil. And so we are called in the same way to know that there's something bigger than us. There's something bigger than the gods that we worship on this planet. For us to be a part of God's creative process, we need to know that God is with us every day. Very easily, we can intellectually dismiss the giving of our lives to Christ on the grounds of intellectual superiority. We can think, well, we don't have this all figured out. Nobody knows quite for sure. Science, preacher, science. That's what, that's what I follow because science is provable. Like the Big Bang Theory. Like, pardon me, like the what? The Big Bang Theory, the Big Bang what? Theory. Who, who was there at the Big Bang? Who, who wrote down what exactly happened? Well, well, nobody, but rocks tell us we have layers of things and the, the ooze and the… 
Well, who was there to witness? Well, nobody. Well, but nobody was there. Well, okay. When Jesus was raised from the dead, there were people there. Absolutely. Yes, they wrote it down. Nobody who wasn't at the Big Bang can now claim that they know what happened then. The benefit for us is that we can claim every day that Christ has risen, not just because we have those stories and we have God's Word through Scripture, but because we can experience God when we open ourselves to God's presence. It's like my younger daughter who is looking ahead to the time when she'll be driving and thinking a new car is in her future. She was interested in a Jeep. And she said the other day, gosh, I've never noticed so many Jeeps on the road. We've all been there. You get interested in something, and then all of a sudden you see those somethings everywhere. Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it is cars. You're interested in that next level of whatever or looking for a truck. All of a sudden you see those things everywhere. You put a Salt Life sticker on the back of your windshield, and all of a sudden you see all the other ones that you never noticed before. Faith is very much the same way. The more that we look for Christ, the more that we are open to experiencing the presence of Christ with us, the more we will see, the more we will experience, and the more we will know. The more that we seek, the more we will find. If we keep God at a distance, which many of us do, We do our once every while church kind of thing so we can check our box. We roll the dice that that's enough at the end of our lives to show God our attendance record at church. But we never fully experience being a part of God's new heaven and new earth in this life. It's not just the afterlife where this new heaven and new earth will come or at the second coming, but we are called to be here to bring it in now. We can participate and be participants in God's creative joy. Why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? Well, because I have to do something, Pastor, and I don't like to do churchy, Jesus-y things. We're missing it. We're cutting ourselves out of the life that we were given for a purpose. When we allow ourselves to even be open to try to experience God in Christ, we will see that there is so much that we are being called to, to have our kingdom moments, to have those with God moments that we know and cannot deny that God is with us. Maybe it is a Bible study. Maybe it's a worship service. Maybe it's serving others. Maybe it's a youth or a mission trip. Maybe it's a movie, a book, a conversation with friends, a song. What does that look like in the world? I will share share with you an example. Yesterday, we had a memorial service for Marion Green. Kathy Driver's mother, Wes's mother-in-law, wonderful woman. She did a lot of amazing things in her life. 
one of the things that stood out was that she was a World War II Army nurse. And so I did a little bit of research and found some things that I'd like to share with you. What does it look like to be a part of God's creative process to bring in a new heaven and a new earth? So in World War II, before the time, the attack on Pearl Harbor, there were about 1,000 U.S. Army nurses. Afterwards, within the next six months, there were 12,000. Throughout World War II, about 59,000. By 1948, the total in this program that brought into being to train Army nurses was about 150,000 total. And Miss Green was one of those. She served on a cruise ship that had been adapted to become a medical ship, a hospital ship. The name of that vessel that she served on was called the Francis Y. Slanger, S-L-A-N-G-E-R. Well, why was that vessel named for her? Francis Y. Slanger, on October 21st, 1944, died in Ellesbourne, Belgium, a victim of a German artillery attack. She was the first American nurse to die in Europe after the June 1944 D-Day landings in Normandy. She was 31 years old. Coincidentally, right before she died, she wrote a letter and sent it to Stars and Stripes, the military newspaper, and on behalf of military nurses, praising American GIs, she praised American GIs and thanked the wounded for the privilege of easing their pain and sharing some of their hardships. She praised the GIs and thanked the wounded for the privilege of easing their pain and sharing some of their hardships. Well, that letter ran, and then once they found out that she had been killed, there was this outpouring for those who had connected with her letter and her story and her life. So they named this vessel after her, at which Charles Sawyer, the U.S. ambassador to Belgium, speaking of Slanger, said, and all nurses, If there is in heaven and in our hearts a special shrine for those who have given the most and the best, it is held sacred for the American nurse. What does it look like to be a part of God's creative joy, to bring about a new heaven and a new earth? It is like Francis Slanger, who wrote in her letter, What a joy it was to serve those who were broken, bleeding, dying, who mentally, physically, and spiritually had been shattered. And she thanked them for the opportunity to serve. What would it look like if we too, when we were pushed to step out of our comfort zones, to go and participate in those places that are difficult, we could thank God for those opportunities? And my guess is those of you that have already have. It is difficult to step out of our comfort zone to help others, to care for others. And yet we know we are often as transformed as the people we are seeking to help. And in doing so, we begin this process and participate of bringing the new heaven and the new earth. So as we move forward today, God is telling us through Isaiah that there is something bigger than Phil in our lives. 
It is worth our attention and worth our understanding that we are meant to be participants more than just living our life to be a a student and do our work, to work in the home or in our vocational capacity, to distract ourselves for the rest of our lives and then to die. It is possible to live like that, many of us do. And in doing so, we completely miss the reason we were created here in the first place. To be a part of God's creative joy, to bring about the new heaven and the new earth today, here in Columbus, Georgia in 2019 and into the world. So let us with open and convicted hearts seek to find the Christ that is seeking to fill your hearts with his creative joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.